Hey everyone, Julie Fowdy here with Lynn Zowie. Hi, Jules. Hello, Lynn. Thank you for taking the time to join us and our dope village. I think as many of us are doing right now, Lynn and I were actually discussing ways to navigate this crazy time and figure out ways we could help in any way possible. We talked it over and we have this amazing community, our dope village, and Julie and I thought that we could do a special episode to put some good and positivity out there. Good that each of us can absorb and then share and pass along to others in our lives. And we thought about who we could bring on to help us with this. And we thought the perfect person to provide insight into this moment in time is our friend, Dr. Colleen Hacker. The Dr. Colleen Hacker. She was our mental skills coach on the U.S. national team for many years. And before I go into her full bio and history, I'd actually like to give you a little perspective on how much I adore Dr. Hacker, because there are few people in life other than maybe some close family members and friends who can clear your mind and who can give you a sense of calm, a sense of direction, and literally... That has been Dr. Hacker in my life. Going all the way back to our time with the national team, after every meeting we have with her, I felt like I had just been to church. It was this, oh, the sense of clearing and reset. And it's why I actually call her Flash, because she shines light in dark places like a flashlight. So Dr. Hacker, aka Flash, was introduced to us after we actually lost the 1995 World Cup. And it's not a coincidence that we then won the Olympics in 1996, the very first time actually women's soccer was in the Olympics the very next year. And at the next world event, the 1999 Women's World Cup, which we hosted here in the United States, we won that as well. You can see what the common denominator is. It is Dr. Hacker. Uh, and she spent about a decade with us. God bless her. She's worked with professional, international, and Olympic athletes in a variety of sports, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, PGA, LPGA, USA Swimming, Cruise, Speed Skating, Track and Field. And she actually helped the USA women's ice hockey team win gold in Pyeongchang at the last Winter Olympics. She's also currently a professor and an assistant dean at Pacific Lutheran University in Tacoma, Washington, doing a lot of online courses at the moment, I imagine. I highly recommend having a pen and paper with you as you listen, because you will want to write it down. As Colleen always told us, don't just think it, ink it. Most importantly, we hope this next episode brings some comfort some coping mechanisms, and as always, some laughter as well. So get comfortable listening. It's Dr. Colleen Flash Hacker. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling all right. Flash, thanks for joining us, my friend. It means a ton to us during these crazy times. I love being here. I love being part of Laughter Permitted. <laughs> and you are a great listener of the pod. So thank you for that, being part we, of our village. 
We actually had every intention of having you on as a guest at some point. We just did not realize it was going to be under these circumstances. But I think Julie and I both feel like if there's anyone to talk to right now, it's you, Colleen. Yeah. And well, you, I'm an early and proud adopter of this podcast. So <laughs> I'm not even apologetic or uh, shy about sharing that. You, you, just, you just bring goodness and access uh, to people and topics that, that we wouldn't have otherwise. Well, we wanted you on because during crazy times, you lend such clarity. This is a time like no other. And I know it's not a sports-specific time, but one that requires a distinct mindset to navigate, in which you are the master of mindsets. I'm actually fascinated by the crossover with what's happening now and how it applies to things we've learned in sport. So thank you for letting us pick that Wicked Smart brand of yours, my friend. Absolutely. We actually had a very important question to kick things off. Colleen, how are you set for toilet paper? (laughs) How many rolls do you have? Unbeknownst to me, I did a significant Costco shop a week before the mayhem. So I must say I'm uh, (laughs) sitting pretty, as uh, you might say. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Colleen Hacker has all the toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) My question uh, revolves around how do I not go batshit crazy in my house? That would be great if you could let me know about that. Thanks. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. Another reason why laughter is the antidote to stress. Sincerely. Oh, give us some strategies. I mean, I know right now we're coping with the anxiety of it all, the uncertainty of it all. And, and you always come with such wisdom. If you could just talk strategies that you've learned from sports that could apply in this situation, go at it. I mean, there are parallels. I, I'm in no way trying to compare, you know, a global pandemic with, with lives at stake to, to sport and outcome. But there are techniques and strategies that serve us well in sport, which is, you know, the, the whole premise of sport is it's high anxiety with no certain outcomes. Like when you start a game, a match, a meet, a race, I mean, you come at it with the best you have, but, but you don't know the outcome. So there is stress, there is anxiety, there is uncertainty. So I'm going to, I'm going to start with really at the top. And that is that leadership always matters, but leadership matters even more in times of stress and uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So decisive, clear, actionable, and consistent leadership influences, I'm going to, you know, switch it to sport, but influences the individual mindset of athletes and collectively impacts the team. And as you well know, and and I've written about this and I've talked about this, but to this day, I've I've been privileged to work with some amazing uh, and accomplished athletes and teams, multiple gold medalists, multiple world champions. And yet I, I maintain to this day 
for 10 years, the privilege I had of, of watching and seeing the impact of your leadership, Julie, and Carla Overbeck, and as Covey talked about, the complementary partnering of your leadership was as- absolutely instrumental for the high performance demands and the high uncertainty and pressure of the world events. So there's just no getting around leadership. And Colleen, are you saying that we need Julie Foudy and Carla Overback to take the reins in the world right now? <laughs> I'm printing bumper stickers and buttons as we speak. <laughs> and just for our non-soccer listeners, can you tell us about Carla Overbeck? We've heard enough about Julie on this podcast. Yeah, can you tell us no just one, quickly no about, more of that. about Carla? You can never hear enough about Julie's leadership, but... Carla Overbeck, I mean, I just, she embodies leadership with, with a capital L. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll lead with this phrase, leaders carry the water. Mm. What? Leaders carry the water. What does that mean? Carla Overbeck, senior, veteran, captain, all the credentials that would opt her out of leading from in front were the very reasons why she felt compelled to lead from the front. Let me just give you two examples. Remember I talked about leaders carry the water. The bus pulls up to, to training or a game. Who's the first one waiting outside the team bus to carry the huge uh, orange containers that are full and heavy and not glamorous and that's, CO. CO is there, Carla Overbeck. <laughs> and that's a team captain. You know, when the goals have to be moved, who's yeah. not just walking to move the goals, but sprinting uh, to move the goals? These thankless, tedious jobs, leaders carry the water. And leaders, you know, the old expression, what you do speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. You know, who's pushing the fitness demands? Who's lifting uh, our opportunities to improve and to compete? That's what leaders do. And I know, it's, I know it's been written about, but for many people, it's historic rather than shared memory. But, but look at during the World Cup, the second earning of the star in 99, when Brandy Chastain scores the own goal. And how many people would feel, I can't believe that just happened. Mm-hmm. How many people would go, I can't believe you just did that. I mean, rookie mistake. And here's Carla Overbeck getting to her teammate and saying, literally, don't worry about it. There's a lot of soccer to be played, and you're going to be part of our success going forward. Mm-hmm. Capital leadership. Mm-hmm. Literally, in the moment, turns to Brandy and says, we're going to be fine, and you're going to help us get back in this game. You're going to, or she, I think she said, you're going to win this game for us. Boom. What happened, Jules? And what yeah. happened? Uh, and Brandy scores the game winner to win that game against Germany. And what I'm saying, the, the reason it's so important to me to give listeners tangible, observable actions is I'm not talking about platitudes or cheerleading. This isn't I'm here to pump you up. You know, it's, not, 
It's not cheerleading. That's not leadership. Leadership is actionable. It's modeling what the situation calls for. It's self-awareness, both of self, but self-awareness in how I can impact those around me. And there's an art and a science to that. And that, because I think at first when you're talking leadership, I'm thinking the highest of highest of leadership, right? Our president, what's happening, the experts. But actually, what I'm hearing is you're saying leadership can happen in every single family at the ground level. And what are you doing to model behavior or take action that can lead to positive behavior and positive outcomes? 100%. It's not prescriptive. It's individual. We do lead in our own lives. We lead with our own loved ones, our own circle of influence. Exactly. And there's things that leaders can do. I, I, I'm going to, I think these are all accessible words, but like four, four examples that, that leaders can do on a daily basis, meaning on the, on the field when, when we return back to to sport, but in our homes. One is is labeling, just naming anxiety, like I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling anxious, uh, I'm feeling bored. Like labeling helps us control it. When we just feel things, rather than label them and say them, they grow in impact and importance. Think Think of when you're teaching just from a parenting standpoint, what's the first thing when you're teaching your kids, right, to speak or language, we label things, dog, cat, mama, you know, dada, whatever it is, we label things because it's a way to control. So labeling emotions, labeling feelings, I think is really important. A second big one that we can all do on a daily basis is reappraise reframe isolation as family time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've experienced that, but you know, we're, you can be stuck at home or you can have the opportunity to do things at home. Mm-hmm. You know, Jules, Lynn, I don't know if you have examples of that where, where you have, you know, reframed mm-hmm. being at home as an opportunity to do something that you wouldn't normally do. The, the, we're having those daily conversations with the kids and, and that's genuine. It's not like I'm trying to feed them a line of BS. I, I actually honestly feel like this is a chance for us to reset. I don't have to run the kids to 5,000 practices, which is what you realize quickly. You spend your entire afternoon doing post-school, right? We have a chance to sit down together. We have a chance. We were around the dinner table last night laughing about, you know, things that were happening. We were watching movies together. Um, I said, we're going to have mandatory reading time together. I mean, it is actually a, a great opportunity, I think, to reset as a family. There's no question. There's just no question. And you're in control of that. You said two things that are that are really important that, that I want to pick up on, Julie. One is how important laughter is in these times. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not just in COVID times, but in high stress, uh, again, high anxiety, the importance of laughter. If I could reach out and give a f- virtual hug 
to the people and and Twitter that are posting just hilarious videos that without thought just are making me laugh out loud. Mm -hmm. That is worth its weight in gold. And and I'm going to bring it back to sport to say that as captains or as leaders, the rah, rah, okay, let's, we could do this. You know, we got this, you know, nobody wants it more. Clap, clap, (laughs) squished face. Those kind of leaders are a dime a dozen and they're in every huddle. They're in every huddle from junior high to high school to college to the pros. A leader in those times that can make people smile and look at it rather than as pressure, but as opportunity that Mm -hmm. can make people laugh. Those leaders are rare. Those leaders are gold. And they change the course of sport history because Mm -hmm. see in them, they provide in us an opportunity to embrace the moment, to enjoy the moment. I have 10,000 examples of moments where you and Carla Overbeck brought the right emotion and the smile and the leadership to the team when the team needed it most. Mm. That's rare. Colleen, can you tell the motorcycle story that you told me yesterday? Oh my gosh. Oh gosh. I have not approved this. What is it? <laughs> this is absolutely true. And I have the photos to document it. So Listen. I'm not just, you know, opining here, folks. These are these are the facts. So in the World Cup, literally, literally, not when people say literally and they mean figuratively. This is actual, literally every day of the World Cup. It got crazier in terms of fan and interest. And back people- in 19, back in, not to cut you off, but back in 1999, the yeah. epic summer of 1999. Yes, the epic summer of 99. You know, there were times where we had more people at practices in 99 than we might have had in 95 prior to the Olympic Games. So there were thousands of people. So as a result, the security needed and appropriately needed to ramp up. Well, there was this one practice session. Honestly, I don't remember where, but I want to say in California, but honestly, I have the photos to document it where we had 13 motorcycle police officers lined up. They, they were close enough to touch one another. So just imagine that scene of 13 motorcycle cops with full gear, full protection, right? The glass in front, their helmets on, all of their, uh, let's just say, police accoutrement on hanging <laughs> from their uh, waist. It's a little unnerving. It's a little bit intimidating. And you're just out in the field. Uh, Yeah, let's just act normal. Uh, We always have 13 motorcycle cops. So even though we might be, and I'm putting in air quotes, acting like we're not being impacted by that, every human being with a heartbeat was impacted by that. Well, recognizing that. So what does Julie Foudy do? Oh, God, I don't know. And I don't remember, I'm afraid. Yeah, well, I'm going to help you with that little memory lapse. So we're going to go over, we who? The national team players, the athletes who are in the heat of this major, epic world event 
the pressure of the nation on their shoulders, they have now been led by their captains over to the motorcycle cops. They're sitting on the, on the motorcycles. They're putting on their helmets. They're <laughs> playing with the lights. Everybody is cracking up now. Wait, there's more. <laughs> now Jules gets the idea. You guys, you guys got speed guns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't you do traffic like you guys got speed guns? Yeah, we got speed guns. So now we've got the speed guns, and we're gonna hold sprint races going <laughs> with the people. <laughs> I don't remember this at all. Killing cops, and we've got the speed gun on them. What do you think every staff athlete? And a human being is doing right now while people are sitting on bikes, uh, wearing motorcycle helmets, and have speed gun races. What is everybody in the park doing? Laughing. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Uh. And those moments are worth their weight in gold. I mean, laughter, that gut-wrenching laughter just releases so much emotion. And I want to say to people, when's the last time you had a gut-wrenching laugh? Mm. And I hope, I hope everybody's saying an hour ago or mm. right now or this morning. But my worry is that for many people, when, when they hear me throw out that challenge, are saying, ooh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is where I think we can be there for each other. This is the beauty of having a cell phone and the ability to text people and email people. And I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Yesterday morning, I did one last food run, the local grocery store. The most unnerving thing for me, I think, is going to the grocery store and seeing empty shelves. There are no bananas. There's no chicken. And there are no eggs. It's just that site is really, it, I would say, produced some anxiety in me. And I'm trying to avoid anxiety. I'm trying to manage it. So I got back, I got back home. And an hour or two later, I got an email from you, Colleen. And we had been talking the last couple of days about this interview and the messages we wanted to share with people, put positivity out there. I saw the email you sent me and it was a, it was a link to Twitter. I saw that and I'm thinking, oh, it's probably some new announcement. Something else has happened or a really heady sports psychology article I should probably read before this interview. <laughs> it turns out it was a video of a guy playing tic-tac-toe with a turtle. <laughs> the turtle, spoiler alert, loses badly. And I laughed out loud. And then you sent me another video yesterday where I didn't just laugh. I snorted out loud. And my gratitude for you is oozing. And you know what I decided to do was I sent those videos on to friends. Yep. So while I might not be able to give you a hug right now and say it's all going to be okay, uh, to your point, Colleen, we can share some laughs with one another to break detention no question and it's making me smile all over again you know uh, what what i want to say to people is hunt joy yeah you know hunt 
hunt joy, hunt smiles, hunt laughter, hunt goodness. You know, that famous quote of, of Fred Rogers' mother, look for the helpers. You know, if you, if we spend our days looking for the helpers, you know, there's, there's uh, networks being set up where, you know, safely and with separation, people are going out and shopping for, for older members of our community who mm-hmm. can't go out. I mean, there are people out there helping. And, and so there are simple ways where you can make a difference, you know, practicing random acts of kindness mm-hmm. now where we're serving others, we're running errands, we're doing chores with, for others without need for recognition. So important. Yeah. You know what I did in the grocery store yesterday? I made a point to think the people who were working at the store and you would be shocked at how grateful they were to hear that. And I've asked, I said, how many people have said, said thank you to you? And the response typically was not many. Mm. It's true. And, and Julie, I don't know how, how your uh, kids schools are, are handling it, but I talked to a friend who said, I have now, done homeschooling with a, my six and 10 year old for <laughs> one hour and 11 minutes, which cracked me up for one hour and 11 minutes. And here's what I know. Teachers aren't paid enough. Right, right. <laughs> so exactly. to, your point, to your point, Lynn, what we're recognizing is the true value of each person's role in our culture yeah. in a way that we should have been aware six months ago but we weren't yeah. understanding how important each person plays a vital role, not yeah. the pat on the head platitude, but factually a vital role. Yeah. And I love the phrase hunt joy, right? Some will say, well, how do I do that? I can't get outside my house. Right. But th- this is when the power of the internet can serve a positive purpose. Like Rex Chapman, I was texting you yesterday, Colleen, who I follow on Twitter, posts the funniest videos that bring me such joy. I mean, yesterday I'm sitting with Izzy watching, I don't know if you guys saw that video, it's all over, of the mayor who's talking at a town hall meeting and he forgets to, he forget, he has to step away to go to the bathroom and he forgets to unplug his mic, to turn <laughs> off his mic. Hi. <laughs> I, I laughed. Izzy and I sat at that video and I like split along laughing so hard because this woman <laughs> is talking while he's in the bathroom is trying to get through it. Have you seen this one? Oh, no, dear. why didn't you send it to us? <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to send it to you and everyone should go search it out. In your stories, you are actually edifying great examples, meaning. <laughs> control your consumption it is you have control of that what you take in so social media in and of itself is not imbued with value Mm -hmm. it's how we use it and how we consume it it's the same with athletes if you're in the middle of a major competition and you're consuming social media and you're reading everything that people are writing about you 
there's actual sports science that that connects that with negative performance. There's there's data from the NBA that the athletes that were up using social media longer and later and to a greater extent the night before a playoff game had poorer performance the next day. Not my opinion. That's what the data shows. Mm -hmm. So how, how are we using social media? Expertise really does matter. Facts provide guidance and comfort. And so be careful where you consume media, how much you consume, mm-hmm. you know yourself and you're in control of that. I'd be curious to get your insights into how important self-care is right now. I know it's something that elite athletes have to take into consideration in order to perform their best. And it seems like we're also at a time where we have to do that in our daily lives even. There's no question, Lynn, and you're so right and wise to say that. Uh, I have a phrase, apparently, what people tell me for everything. <laughs> and one of the things I share with people is you have nothing to share when your own cupboard is bare. <laughs> so you've got to engage in self-care first. It's not selfish. It's actually other-oriented. Uh, fitness is always important. You know, I work out six days a week and, and unless I'm really stressed and busy. And then I make sure I work out six days a week. Those are my two options. So fitness is always important. This is an opportunity to engage in activities that you enjoy. And people will say to me, you know, well, what fitness should I do? Whatever one you're going to do. There's no one best. The best fitness is the one that you're going to do. Find something that you enjoy. What else? Fuel. So think about what we're taking in. And and Lynn, back to your point, athletes are are absolutely locked in and locked on to self-care because that's their craft. They know that if they are going to be at their best, there's more than this, but they are locked into fitness, fuel, and sleep. And the fourth that I would add is connection, mm-hmm. that they create a bubble around their team. They know that the most important people in their lives are, are their teammates. And, and right now, it's the people in our lives. So what are we all actively doing around fitness, fuel, sleep, and connection? Mm. Um, I will answer the connection component of that. Most important, we are having a virtual cocktail hour on Thursday with my Stanford posse, all by Zoom, Colleen, Flash. If you would like to join, you are more than welcome to. Added bonus for St. Patty's Day costumes, we're giving prizes as well. Boom. Boom. It's that. It's that. Thank you. You just heard me say that, and without half a beat, already are offering what you had planned. Colleen, I want to get a boom from you. I got one for you. I do a yoga class every Monday evening. It's, you want to talk about joy? It is one of the joys of my life. It's just an incredible class. I look forward to it every single week. I've made a pact with myself that every Monday evening throughout this, I'm going to do yoga for 30 minutes to an hour. And I did it yesterday. 
boom. I got a boom. I, I was actually a little worried you were not going to get the boom. I'm not going to lie. There was, there was a bit of a pause on the boom. Maybe it's a connection delay. That was a heartfelt boom. And that, <laughs> the, the, the maintenance, the creation and recreation of routines is yeah. absolutely critical. We want to give you a boom. What have you done? Self-care. Oh, I had a phenomenal workout yesterday. I'll be honest, the second I finish with the two of you amazing souls, I'm going to go for a run. It's mm-hmm. blue skies and sun in uh, in Washington right now. I don't want to show off, but it was 15,200 steps yesterday. Oh, so, bam. So, so working out, and then I have a wonderful dog walk uh routine that i have it's so important to maintain those routines and to be aware uh that we have choice and that we have autonomy i want to say to everybody listen at some point it's going to be four weeks from now at some point it's going to be eight weeks from now in other words i i don't know what the time frame is but the time will pass what do you want your story to be? And I'm challenging people to write your own story. Mm. The future's not yet written. One day it will be four or six or eight weeks from now. What do you want to tell yourself, your loved ones, how you handled this situation? You know, you do have choice. You do have autonomy. What do you want to do? What don't you want to do? How do you want to treat others? That story is a story that you are going to write. Mm, I love that. That's so good. And again, it goes back to it's the chance to be the leader in all of this that we need, right? You get to choose how you look back on this time and how you handled it. You are in control of that. Absolutely. I mean, we are in this together. A team is in this together. I, I have a phrase that, 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 I, that I'll share with athletes and teams, and, I'm, and I say one plus one equals three. And you could argue with my math acumen, but there's something in that. We are in this together. When we combine together, when we recognize and uplift one another, when we focus, you know, there's an acronym WIN, right? What's important now? And you, you've heard me say this for years, Julie, chemistry is a verb, but so is care. Care needs to be a verb. It needs to be actionable. Mm-hmm. Um, unexpressed appreciation is the same as not having appreciation. Mm-hmm. Unexpressed gratitude is the same as not having gratitude. It, it's just lost. It's, it's lost. So we've got to be more active and creative about sharing it. I want to tell a quick Peyton Manning story because it's going to be a throwback is each year Peyton Manning, and this is in the, in the age of cell phones, Peyton Manning chose to write a handwritten letter to his offensive line, thanking them and being specific about the difference that they made both on and off the field. And I will simply say to, to 
to the two of you and to everyone who's listening, what do you think that handwritten letter means to those folks right now? Mm -hmm. Powerful. So maybe these moments are going to encourage us to reclaim lost behaviors. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up in the age of handwritten thank you notes, not texts that say, thanks, exclamation point. (laughs) So maybe it's time for that handwritten note. Imagine if we developed telephone capabilities after text and email. Just imagine those, oh my gosh, you can actually hear people now. You can hear their voices with this new technology. Right. Pick up the phone and call a friend. Pick up the phone. Again, I go back to it's an opportunity. I know I keep bringing us back to sport, but the parallels, there's research with professional male uh, footballers in penalty kick situations and looking at the success rate when when the view of the penalty kick taker was that it was an opportunity Mm. rather than a pressure. And the success of the penalty kicker went up when they looked at it as an opportunity. Mm. So imagine if we just turned the prism in our own minds to look at this as an opportunity and, and start today, literally start today, imperfectly and incompletely, But start today. Start what? Maybe explore your creative side. If there was ever a time where you said, you know, I always wanted to, or I wonder if I could, start today. But perfection is the enemy of accomplishment. For so many Americans, if we can't do it well, then we're not going to do it. And, And I just remind everybody, even the expert was once a beginner. If, if all of us quit trying to walk when we first tried to walk. Oh, I love this. This is so good. You know, I love this. Tell this one. Tell the story. <laughs> like, think about any child that's yours or that you've been around when they, when they learn how to walk. They stand up. They, they, you know, waddle back and forth and fall down. And then what happens around them? They're clapped and praised to get back up. <laughs> get back up. And then they fall down again. And they, they are praised to success. Their failure becomes fuel to future triumph. Every one of us was wobbly and incapable. And yet we're all bipedal right now. We all somehow got through the difficulty and, and learned how to walk. So just understand that, that even the expert was once a beginner. Start today. What is that? Paint, draw, make jewelry, uh, write that book, uh, rediscover, you know, your poetry capabilities, cook. Uh, Colleen, you you mentioned at the top four strategies. Um, and if I'm paying attention, I see you've gotten through two, labeling and reappraisal. Can we go to number three, Colleen oh, Flash? Can three. we go to number three? Number three, and let the record show, I'm turning the tiles with my elbow to get to number three. (laughs) Number three, I'm glad you recognize that. Number three is distraction, right? Redirect your attention. And ironically, Jules, which is probably what brought you back to it, that's what we've been talking about, Mm. is 
is, you know, Will Rogers says worrying is like rocking in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Hmm. We need distraction. Well, we've got the perfect opportunity. I, I want to imagine a world weeks from now where everyone has clean junk drawers. I want to imagine a world in a few weeks where everyone has tried on their clothing that you know they're keeping in case it does come back in style in their lifetime. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> so distraction, right? That, yeah. that you are redirecting your attention from worry, fear, negative what ifs, and doomsday predictions. Distraction. Think of the things that we did with the national team. There were puzzles out. We did uh, Austin Power videos. Julie, I have a picture of you ironing before World Cup games. <laughs> True. Ironing. True. ironing. Why would you iron? Because it's routine. We had to look good after the party, after the game. Got to get my, my wrinkles out. Would you iron other people's jerseys or just your own? Oh, no, I was ironing my clothes for after the game. <laughs> for what we're wearing that night. Very important stuff. I'm going to get to four in a second, but what you just said <laughs> reminded me of, an, of another story. Joy Fawcett and Shannon McMillan sitting on the floor in the locker room with a towel spread out, polishing their cleats before the game. And then one plus one equals three. They polish the cleats of their teammates. Mm, Caring wow. for others, mm. looking for ways to help. Think of all the things that they could be doing. You know, thinking about their performance, worrying about how they're going to be doing, standing up and looking at the, the corner kick uh outline that's on the butcher board paper in the locker room julie that you would remember mm -hmm. and what are they doing they're taking care of themselves and others anyway number four is maybe the the least accessible word but it's amelioration and it's taking protective action and this is why i say expertise does matter uh, my mentor uh, was famous for saying, opinions are not like votes, each to be counted equally. That there are subject matter experts. Uh, Dr. Fauci is somebody we should be listening to. Mm -hmm. so amplify experts and mute people that aren't subject matter experts. The same thing as we do on a team. There was nobody that came to ask me what they should be doing for their strength and conditioning program. There was no athlete that came to me and said, uh, Doc, uh, what should I have for my post-meal uh, energy replacement? Go to the experts when you want expertise. Mm. So amelioration is taking the appropriate, accurate, protective action. You know, when we have something to do, it is a form of control. That's why I say take action and recognize that there are things that you can control. One of the most famous phrases in performance psychology is to control the controllables. 
You know, there's so many things right now that I can't control and you can't control and we can't control, but we can control so much in our lives. Again, how we treat others. If we're taking appropriate, corrective, and safe measures uh, to protect both ourselves, our loved ones, and the larger society, we can exert choice. We can exert control. And we don't want to relinquish the areas over which we can exert control. The schools are exerting controls by having us go online. And we need to recognize that as an example of controlling the controllables. And we can't abdicate that responsibility. So those are the four, labeling, reappraisal, distraction, and amelioration. And we can be doing that on a daily basis. Yeah, I think the control part is tough because it does just feel like so much is out of our control. And I'd like to tee something up for you with that is, can you tell us your strategy with the idea of plot twist? Oh, absolutely. And it, it, it actually fits with, with the first one in labeling. And these are two phrases that I have used for, honestly, now decades with athletes and teams. I am a fan of British crime dramas. Like <laughs> Netflix needs to get their act together because I feel like I've consumed every British uh, <laughs> crime drama. And I love it because I don't know who did it. <laughs> Wait, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Does James Bond fit into that category? Unfortunately, it does not. But okay. I, I, but I might have to take take a listen because These, we are consuming a lot of James Bond. Yeah, right? well, I'm I'm down with that. Good, keep okay. keep on it. So These sure. are the these are the detective whodunits, and you wonder how many murders can there actually be in this small hamlet in <laughs> England? <laughs> but but you know it, it, these are binge watches. Anyway, that's where this phrase came from in my mind. And I say to athletes and teams, when you're thrown the unexpected, when you're thrown Mm -hmm. something that isn't going like you expect, you say plot twist, plot twist, (laughs) which is what happens in these, in these crime dramas. It's like, you go, Oh my gosh, I totally thought it was so-and-so, but it was some plot twist. Like that's what makes it engaging. That's what makes it interesting. I know the team, the ice hockey team, the U.S. women's ice hockey team was going on an international trip. And if you think soccer has a lot of gear, it pales in comparison to how heavy and large the baggage is with ice hockey. And so here's all the teams sitting on the plane and they're seeing, they're looking out the windows and seeing their bags being taken off the plane for an international trip because the plane is overweight. No. <laughs> twist, plot twist. So that's the time to find out who else wears your t-shirt size and switch and who carried on what uh, clothes in their, in their baggage. So naming it, just saying plot twist when things don't go as planned. The second is adjust and adapt, baby, adjust and adapt. (laughs) And you have to say it in that sing-songy tune, and you have to accompany it with at least one dance move. (laughs) It's not just a good idea, it's the law. 
<laughs> so when things don't happen the way you expect, you go, adjust and adapt, baby. And then you bust a move. Adjust and adapt. No, no. I think, I think we all need to do yeah. right now. I wish this, I, I wish we were recording video of this one, baby, because I'm adjusted and adapting right now. Adjust and adapt. Adjust and adapt. Adjust and adapt. <laughs> Did your hands move, Lynn? Did your hands move? It was more of a shoulder shimmy. Okay, pulling. shoulder. Go with shoulder. Mine was a boob shimmy. <laughs> Adjust and adapt, baby. Bust a move. Adjust and adapt. Oh, oh God. God. So please, everyone, do that dance move with us. Oh, I'm so, I, I want to tee you up with one more. Don't you have a breathing technique as well? Is it the four-corner build-a-box technique with your breath? Yeah, it's called a, a number of different things de- depending on, on where it is. If, if you were in the military, it would be called tactical breath control. If you're in performance psychology, you would ta- you'd call it four square breathing or box breathing. But, and, I'll, and I'll talk you through that in a second, but it's a wonderful time to give mindfulness a try. And there's so many free apps. There's so many free downloads for mindfulness. And mindfulness is simply non-judgmental awareness. It's being present with, without judging uh, what we're thinking or feeling. But let's talk. Uh, everybody through four square breathing or box breathing or tactical breathing. We know that breath control impacts every physiological parameter. And so we talk about muscle to mind techniques. And by doing things with our body, it can actually change brain chemistry and emotion. So muscle to mind. And we know that um, exhalation, so exhaling is associated with calming, where inhaling is associated with activation. So now's a good time, even without box breathing, to have people focus on their breathing, long, slow inhalations where the belly expands, and then an even longer exhale. So the exhale is always longer than the inhale. And just doing one of those refocused breathing where we inhale through the nose and maybe on a four count and then exhale through parted lips, a little bit of a sigh helps you expel more air. And then maybe on a six count is a wonderful one breath refocusing. But here is four square breathing. You inhale on a four count, and it's just like, it's not like when you're rushing the quarterback, it's not like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. (laughs) It's a calm one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, four, 1,000. So you inhale on four. You hold your breath for four, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, four, 1,000. You exhale on four, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000, four, 1,000, and then hold your breath for four count to complete the box. 
And that's one four breath cycle, one box breath. And it's, it's a fun term, but it's, it's also based on the incompatible alternative principle. So if you're doing A, you can't be doing B at the same time. So if we say to our kids, I like the way you're sitting and self-entertaining, you can't sit and self-entertain at the same time, stand up going, I'm bored and I have nothing to do. It's an incompatible alternative. So if I'm focused on four square breathing, I can't at the same time be taking in worry, doubt, or fear. Our minds can only grasp on to one full thought at a time. We think we, we think multiple things, but we're actually doing them sequentially rather than concurrently. So four square breathing is a wonderful way to bring your attention to the now, right? That win acronym, what's important now? And it brings your attention to something, one, that you have control over. Two, you're making a choice to do it. Three, it's redirecting your attention to something that you can do that's proactive and that has positive, productive impact. I remember, what did you call it, Colleen? Incompatible? Alternative. Alternative. I remember you pointing this out to me, and it's a story I share all the time in terms of controlling your mindset. And you share the story of, look, you can only have one thought in your brain at a time. And I was not liking my butterflies. And I always tell this story. And I've t- I know I've told it multiple times on the podcast about how you saying to me, right? One, love the butterflies. That means you care. It's visceral. It matters. Two, now teach them to fly in formation. And then the third part of that was, I never knew it was called incompatible alternative, is that you control what goes into your mind in those moments. You control that one thought. And the strategy of snapping my hairband to physically remind me that I mentally control that one thought. Like that is life-changing. That advice you gave me back when I was playing because I use it in everything I do today. Well, thank you for that. It, and, and, and the snapping of your hairband as, as well as, as learning to embrace the butterflies, it brings it back to now. And it's a form of repra- reappraisal. I mean, there's nothing like those butterflies. It means you care. Mm-hmm. I don't wake up to vacuum with butterflies in my stomach. Like, right? That's that's <laughs> not how I view vacuuming. So the butterflies mean, oh, this is special. This is an opportunity to shine. I've been working so hard and so long. So this game is it is my chance. It's my opportunity. So and and the and the snapping of the hairband on your br- on your wrist is a way to say, come back to the present. Mm-hmm. You know, we challenge athletes, be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. And so often in sport, our minds are in the past on a mistake we made, what we should have done, an error, a giveaway, an own goal, you know, a misstop, you know, whatever it might be. Our feet are one place, but our minds are in the past. 
Well, equally problematic for high performance, and I might add for high performance living, is that our feet are one place, but our minds are in the future. Oh, what if I'm sheltering in place for four weeks instead of two? How about eight weeks? How about like forever? You know, our minds just go to worst case scenarios. So our feet are one place, but we're worrying about the future. Do now well. Mm. Now well. Be where your feet are because that's where you have control. The past is gone. The future's not yet written, but you can do today well. Can I just put you on a loop in my life, please? Would that be okay? I mean, is that weird? Is that weird? No, because I, I was thinking the same I'm exact like, thing. I'm like, yes! Every time I hear you talk, oh, yes! Uh-huh! This is how it was back in the day. Every time we'd have a meeting, I'd be like, oh! Colleen has spoken! Uh, uh, so. Okay, I, I'm going to tee up two stories for you, Colleen. I, I just keep putting the ball on the tee for you so you can hit home runs, really grand slams, because that's what you do. And Thank you, teammate. Teammates well, make teammates look good. <laughs> well, what you're sharing with us is so invaluable. And I keep thinking to myself, I'm going to hold myself accountable to this. You know, all of us are, are in our own way, shape or form are going through this. And so many of the things you're saying are things I can take and put into action. So one story and Julie has, te- has teed you up with this story before, so that's how I know it. What's the story about the parking deck? It was the <laughs> right before the World said. Cup was, was start, the World Cup final, and a player came rushing over to you. Olympic the- final. Oh, Olympic final. Thank you. Yeah, it, it was. Well, you know, I do have to explain it so that you understand the context for this, but it goes back to labeling is, you know, to be an athlete is to make mistakes. In fact, I would actually say the more positive impact you're having on the field, the likelihood is you're also making the most mistakes. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to avoid mistakes, sit at home and yell out your views to people who are actually in the the arena, you know, working hard. It's the only place you're not going to make mistakes is is sitting down. So you're going to make mistakes. There's going to be problems. There's going to be challenges. So we want to label them. We want, and forget about it doesn't work. If, if I hear one more athlete, just go, well, forget about it. Forget about it. When was the last time you forgot a major mistake you made? I'm going to buzz in with never. I mean, we never forget our big mistakes. So it's not helpful to say somebody, to say to somebody, forget about it. It's like, you forget about it. Like it's not going to happen. <laughs> so one of the so, techniques, Colleen, just so you're aware, basically the way I learn a lesson is I have to fall directly flat on my face. <laughs> it's a good teacher, isn't it? It's a good uh, it, it hurts sometimes too. Yeah, the teach the teacher appears when the student is ready. So <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we 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 have to get pretty low to to look up. Mm. So one of the techniques that I taught the team as a mistake ritual was to park it rather than forget about it or don't worry mm. about it because it's just not realistic. Park it. That's kind of random in sport. Well, think about what you do with your car in the good old days when we used to take our cars shopping. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the laughter to die down. 
So in the old days, when we used to drive places to go shopping, you would drive your car and you would park it. And you'd remember where you parked it, but you wouldn't think about your, uh, I'm in E17 while you're grocery shopping, or I'm in the third light pole from the U in, you know, whatever the name of the store I'm in. You'd park your car, you'd note where you parked it, and then you would go about the business of why you drove there to begin with. In other words, the main thing is to shop. Or the main thing is to go to the movies. Or the main thing is to visit with your friends. The main thing isn't your parking spot. So you park your car. And then you leave it. You do the main business. And then you come back to it when you're done with today's critical business. All right. So hopefully your minds are already working. How does that apply with sport? (laughs) So you just you know, play a ball and it's intercepted and it leads to a goal. You don't forget about it. You don't not worry about it. You park it. Yeah, you made that mistake, but now's not the time to be thinking about the mistake. Now's the time to recover or to lift a teammate up or whatever. In other words, the game's the most important thing right now. So we're going to park our mistakes and we'll come back to them when it's an appropriate time. So gradually over time from 95 to 96, I came on in in 1995 and in the lead up to the Olympic Games, gradually, and this wasn't an edict or a requirement, it's a suggestion. It's up to the players to decide whether things are helpful or not. I don't know more than elite athletes. The elite athletes know themselves the best. But gradually over time, instead of, you know, forget about it, don't worry about it people started to say, park it, you know, there'd be an error and you'd hear a park it on the field. And I'm, you know, I just smile like, okay, it's, it's taken hold. All right. Now it's the goal. It's not the eve of the gold medal game. We're on the field and I'm standing at the mid stripe, which is where I always stand. And I'm trying to have my shoulders down and this like relaxed saunter you know, meanwhile, my physiology is going bonkers like everyone else's is. And the team's down at the um, 18 yard doing, you know, whatever the, the warm up is at that point. And I see a player again, let's just remind everybody, this is on the field warm ups before on home soil before the gold met first gold medal you know, in world history. So I see this player who's down at the 18. I'm, you know, 55 yards away at at the mid-stripe, standing, you know, alongside the staff. And this player with a face that doesn't require a PhD in sports psychology to recognize is not a happy face. And so this player takes themselves out of warm-up I know they're going to be coming toward me. So I move away from the rest of the staff Hmm. and this player just unloads like, Oh my God, if this happens one more time, I can't believe this person did this. I mean this, they're really undone. They're really crabby. Their emotions are impacted. Their focus is not on the business at hand. 
And so now I really make sure my shoulders are down. I get a little smile on my face and I just look at this person. I said, you know what I'm going to tell you to do. Just that. Just, you know what I'm going to tell you to do. Oh, I know. (laughs) Park it in the most disgusted, dismissive. Oh, I know. Park it. And I said, exactly. Just park it. And the person looks at me and says, the parking lot is full. (laughs) (laughs) Laughing so hard at this point. It's not even a forced laugh. And I just said, build another level. And that (laughs) made her laugh. And it just made her laugh. And she just turns around, not another word, not a tip of the head, just turned around, jogged back, joined the warm up, and off we go. So sometimes we need to build more levels in our parking lots. Do you know how many times I've heard that story and I've said to Colleen, who was that player? Come on, it was 1996. You can now tell me who that player was. And she's like, I will never tell you who that player is. I still don't know. To the grave, Jules. To the grave. That's going with me. (laughs) Oh, so good. So good. All right. I've got one last tee up. I wanted to make sure you were locked and loaded with a good Julie Foudy story for us since you know her so well from over the years. And we spoke yesterday and I know you're prepared with one that involves Mia Hamm, who we of course love on this podcast, love and adore and admire. And her getting a building named after her at the Nike headquarters. I love this story too, actually. Mia, she's the best. Oh, Go on, Flash. And, 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 you know, Lynn, I assume you're the editor that I think you are. So I have to do a shout out. Happy birthday, Mia. Today. Yeah, today. On her birthday. So even if this gets cut, I love saying it out loud. That's going so, in. Yes. Happy birthday, Mia Ham. Absolutely. So here we are at Nike World Headquarters in Beaverton, Oregon, with the entire U.S. women's national team and staff. Phil Knight is there. Everyone who's anyone in Nike worldwide is at this building dedication. For those of you who haven't seen it, first of all, you need to. There might be seven wonders of the world, but now I'm adding an eighth which is the Mia Hamm building on on Nike campus. I don't know if this is still the case, but for years and years, and certainly at the moment of the dedication, the Mia Hamm building was actually the largest building in the entire state of Oregon, the the most square footage in the entire state. So I'm, I'm just trying to explain how impressive and significant this event is, even by Nike standards. So we had just toured the the building, you know, I don't know how many stories. I mean, it seemed like it went to the to the sky. And there's pictures of her as a child and her memorabilia and huge pictures of her, you know, as a as a national team athlete. This building is overwhelming by any standards. So this is heady stuff. And anyone who knows Mia or or knows about her, she is the quintessential reluctant hero. Uh, We were so blessed to have somebody so humble and so genuine in her belief 
uh, that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts and, and, and never adopted or, or believed the world's view of, of being the world's, you know, best soccer player, just so humble and, and avoided the spotlight at every opportunity. So this is, this is a, it's an exciting time for Mia, but it's a worrisome time. She has such a big heart and such a kind heart that I know her well enough. She's worried about, you know, what are teammates going to think and how's this going to play? And I don't want this to be all about me. So, so in the midst of this excitement, I know that this is also weighing on her heart. Well, not to fear. When we go back to the team uh, floor, because the team sort of takes over an entire floor of a hotel, the captains, in concert with our equipment manager, as we Dinah. walk into Dynas Kalnas, we walk into the team floor, and with athletic tape and Sharpie markings everywhere, everywhere are signs that say, the Mia Ham elevator button, the Mia Ham light switch, the Mia Ham lampshade, the Mia Ham toilet handle. In other words, everything in the team floor was labeled the Mia Ham something. What did everybody do, including Mia? They laughed laughed our heads off and it broke the worries. It broke the ice. Now we had something to talk about that was shared, inclusive, and hilarious. <laughs> Julie, was that your handwriting on the uh, uh, I think I think it was Dinus. I, I don't know who came up with the idea. I'm sure it was a collective one. And we, we were like, yes. Let's go. And we labeled literally everything, especially the toilet and bathroom area. That well, was her. And I, 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 want you, I want you, Lynn, to hear that. And I want our listeners to hear what Julie just did, because these yeah. are the little things that people don't hear. Is She said, I don't sh- I'm not sure who did that. Then she gives credit to somebody else. <laughs> and then the pronoun became we. And here's what I will tell you. There is nothing that happened on the U.S. women's national soccer team that didn't go through or come from Carla Overbeck and Julie Foudy. We had the veteran senior wise leaders. Mm. So, so I don't know who the implementers were, but I can tell you where the leadership came from. <laughs> That's far too kind. Um, but thank you. Uh, I mean, and that's, that's the thing, um, that I, 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 I think about those times the most is, is that's the thing I miss the most is just our ability to find laughter in all the craziness. And it's a perfect ending to, uh, today's discussion because as we started it by saying sports is so intertwined with life, um, what we're going through right now is so intertwined with things we've learned from sports. And, um, and, and that's why we felt it's so important to get your perspective on this, Colleen. It always, always brings me back to a place where I know we're going to be better off because we've heard it from Colleen and now we're going to go in and we're all in this together 
And most importantly, understanding that we control what our story is and how we want to write it. Just been a joy for me to share this time with the two of you. Thanks, my friend. I love you. So grateful. Lynn, I don't know about you, but I'm not kidding. I need Colleen Hacker on a loop in my life. Same. How incredible is she? (laughs) Let's do takeaways as we always do. We'll do some quick ones. What are your takeaways first, Lynn? For me personally right now, something that is very important for me to maintain my mental, physical, emotional well-being is the self-care component. So I'm going to think of Mm. myself as maybe an elite Olympic athlete right now. I got to get my (laughs) sleep. I need to eat well. I need to make sure I'm working out. So self-care for me, that's a big takeaway. Yeah. I, I also loved the write your story. You own that story mm-hmm. because I think when there's so many uncontrollables out there, we forget that we own the narrative in the end, right? It's as she, as Colleen was saying, the future's not yet written. What do you mm. want to look back on and yeah. and tell as your story? Because you control that narrative, and yeah. I think that's an important one for all of us to remember. And my other t- takeaway is hunt joy. Yeah. Is such a huge part of our lives. It's such a huge part of what we're trying to do with Laughter Permitted. But Hunt Laughter, I would say, that could be our call to action, really. Oh, I like that. Collectively, a call to action for all of us to keep seeking that. Thanks, as always, to our dope village for listening. Let's indeed collectively keep hunting laughter. Stay safe, stay sensible, and most importantly, stay sane. If anyone needs any toilet paper, by the way... I think Lynn can help you out. (laughs) Is that true, Lynn? I can spare a square. And that's a Seinfeld (laughs) reference for those keeping score at home. (laughs) You can spare a square or 500. All right. Love you all. Take care of each other. Never forget we are all in this together. And as always, kids, sing it with us. Laughter Laughter permitted. permitted. Adjust and adapt, baby. Bust a move. (laughs)